Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Guy from Guy's Woodshop, and as always, I'm joined by my, by my friends Hui, also known as the Alabama Woodworker. Good evening, Guy. Good evening, Hui. And Brian Schmidt. Great evening, gentlemen. Great, Great evening. evening. So this podcast is intended to answer questions for the woodworking community and give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. And we also have a Patreon account. Right now we have one level and we're simply asking for a small donation just to try to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. So please go to patreon.com slash woodshoplife. And we'd like to thank our newest patrons, Corey Espy and Trish O for their pledge. Thank you very much. And uh, we hope that everybody else listening will give us their support. And stay tuned to the end of the show to hear about what uh, we and Juan... We and Brian have going on in their shops. Were you about to say Juan? No. <laughs> it sounded like you were about to say Juan. No. No. Keeping that in there too. <laughs> no. There's no Juan here. So let's get right into it. Hui, you've got the first question. All right. So this is from Mike Arntz. Hey, guys, I love the podcast and listen to it all day at work. Wow. I hope you don't want to kill yourself at the end of that. That's a lot of podcasts. Um, what are we on? We're over 150 now, aren't we? Golly. Anyway, while I don't do fine furniture work like you do, I'm really trying to get better and do more. For a background, I was a commercial carpenter turned finished carpenter, and I'm trying to work my way up to fine finish work. I'm doing more built-ins and that kind of work, and I'm just curious as to what you recommend for tools. Right now, I have a grizzly planer, a benchtop joiner, miter saw, job saw, job site saw. I, I imagine that's... Uh, like a uh, table saw, job site table saw, dovetail jig, and a decent collection of hand tools. I'm going to pick up an older Craftsman 113 table saw, and I'm looking for recommendations on affordable fence. Current, currently, I work in both my shop and on site, so I need to be fairly mobile, but I'm also working on gearing up to do more shop work. Any additional advice is welcome. I also forgot to add I have a mobile dust collection and a Grizzly mobile router table. Check out my profile to see the work I've done. Thanks for the great podcast. I actually went on to Mike's Facebook page, Ernst Construction and Design, and looked at some of the stuff that he does. So he does a lot of stuff that now not to the level of detail or to the same vintage as Justin, uh, your co-host from the other, uh, uh, what's his last name? Uh, De Palma. Uh, De Palma. Yeah, so he's done some like arches and uh, some right. countertop work. Uh, he's no slouch. I've seen the, some of the stuff that he's doing, and it's definitely not slouchy work by any means. Uh, so I, I guess I'm going to say what I see your shop look like and the tools and the complemented tools that I see in your shop, there's no reason why you can't do fine furniture work right now. I think if I were to add maybe one thing to your complement of tools, it might be prudent for you to get a bandsaw so that you can start working with more... Um, readily available hardwoods as opposed to I think it looks like you do deal with some hardwoods and some softwoods but predominantly you're dealing with uh, quite a bit of sheet goods uh, but what you have there's nothing in your shop that you can't uh, mortise and tenon so if you wanted to do mortise and tenon you could cut get a tenoning jig for that uh, table saw that that you are thinking about picking up that Craftsman 113 uh, in terms of a, a fence an aftermarket fence really any sort of Beesmeyer fence, and that is a style of tubular steel fence that's uh, readily available on the aftermarket. 
uh, is going to work well for you, especially for an older craftsman like that. Uh, so I, I, I don't know how that uh, adapts with regards to the Incra fence, because I know, Guy, you are a lover of Incra fences, and they are great. Uh, but uh, have you ever had the Incra fence on an older table saw, Guy? No. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. I'm, I'm sure well, there's... I have a Beesmeyer fence that was... Uh, it was a, a, a legit... Beesmeyer branded fence that mm -hmm. I bought for my old my old craftsman, as a matter of fact. And at the yeah. time, the fence was more expensive than the table saw. Yeah, I think they they go for about two fifty three hundred yeah. Beesmeyer style fences that I've seen. Um, yeah. I by know. You, by, by the time you get the tubes and everything else, it's yeah. it's not they're not cheap. Yeah, but it's a good fence. Um, I think the Inker fence is more. Uh, but in terms of what he has, do you, do you, what he mentioned, is there anything there that you think he needs that he couldn't break into, you know, doing, I don't know, maybe a federal side table or something, you know, just something that would be a decent project for him to get his palette wet and fine furniture. I mean, is there anything that he doesn't have that he needs? The, the only thing that I would consider maybe upgrading from what he has now is it says he has a benchtop joiner. Mm -hmm. Those things are basically worthless. Yeah. Buy what about a, a decent used six inch joiner. If you can get your hands on it and have the room for it, an eight inch joiner, you know, your, your work will truly appreciate it. Yeah. He definitely has the space. He could, he could put it in front of one of these. Um, he's got like this side assembly table in his garage that he's got the joiner on top. He could put that joiner right in front there. Anyway, sorry, Mike, I'm totally like trolling you right now on Facebook. We're not trolling. What do you call it? Stalking? I don't know. Stalking. Whatever. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at your account and I'm seeing your shop. Yeah. He's got a nice, decent sized shop. What, what do you think there, uh, Brian? I would say, um, a, you mentioned having a kind of that assembly table. I, the thing I would recommend that's helped as I've started to build things other than cabinetry mm -hmm. is a workbench, something that's good and solid that you can use those hand tools on. And yeah. it's also, a, um, I mean, a workbench by no means is fine furniture, but it's also, it's a good way to practice some of the techniques in building your own workbench that yeah. you would also uh, employ when building fine furniture yeah. having having good work holding capability makes a huge difference i remember trying to to use a hand plane on my old air quotes here air quotes around the word my old bench yeah and i mean that thing there there wasn't any it was so lightweight and there wasn't a great way to secure it to the wall and the, the thing just racked back and forth as i was you know working on trying to hand plane and it was a really frustrating experience having a true, true heavy duty, you know, several hundred pound woodworking bench now that's not going to budge makes mm -hmm. doing that type of work that much more enjoyable. So yeah. yeah. His casework looks great. I mean, I'm surprised he doesn't have a track saw. Did he mention a track saw? I don't think he did. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's got really nice casework. I'm, I'm, you know, I guess he's doing most of it on uh, some beautiful closets. Some really yeah. nice stuff. Anyway, there you go, Mike. Hopefully that helps. Um, but I don't see you having anything that you can't start doing some fine furniture with. Um, 
like you said, maybe upgrading that uh, yeah. joiner, maybe getting a bandsaw. Um, yeah. I think you're really just looking for a project at this point. I think so. I think so. All right. Uh, I think Brian's up next. Yep. Yeah. So my first question is from Dave Huffman. And Dave writes, gentlemen, I'm hoping to enhance my beginner-ish skills by going back to the basics and making boxes. Any advice on getting perfect miters for small parts? I've got a table saw sled, but my small DeWalt job site saw gives me issues finding 45. Many thanks, Dave. Um, so great idea, Dave. Uh, boxes for me, they're, they're what I call uh, slump busters. So whenever I feel like I'm in a bit of a slump in the workshop, I'll go down and I'll build a box. It's great because they're practical. They make great gifts um, and they're, you know, low material cost and you can make them fairly quickly. So my recommendation on getting perfect writers for small parts, like for a box would be to get it close as close as you can on the table saw, but leave your cut just a little bit heavy and build yourself um, a shooting board that you can shoot 45s on and just sneak up on, on the fit. I don't like, you know, if you're doing a small box, trying to cut that 45 on a table saw and keep that piece stable. I mean, sure, you can use a pencil and try to hold it in place. Um, and there's probably ways to, to hold that down well. It just makes me real, real nervous. I'd much rather take it to the bench with the shooting board and shoot the 45. Yeah. Kai, what do you think? Well, I've, I've made hundreds and hundreds of mitered boxes. And I finally started doing them with a, a, a miter bit on my router table. Yeah. A 45 degree chamfer bit. Just like a chamfer bit? Yeah. So before that, I actually had a sled that I built that was dedicated to making box sides. It had, you know, the, the, the slot in it. It was just like a regular cross cut sled, but it was designed for miter cuts. Yeah. So the benefit to that is that you can mark your sides and stuff yeah. and you can see exactly where the blade is going to cut. Yeah. And you got that zero clearance. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, they have those little um, electronic things that like measure angles and stuff. A angle you, finder. Yeah. Yeah. If you have one of those, just throw it in the trash mine works okay really no, no it doesn't so buy yourself spend the 30 bucks or so and buy yourself a good Incra or a woodpecker 45 degree and set your saw blade using that because yeah. it's going to be 10 times more accurate than those cubes those things are a waste of time um but yeah, i love that's, my cube <laughs> i use yeah i know so, um, but I, I really take a look at making a, a, a sled to cut it with. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, every time I've done it, uh, made miter boxes, I, I've used a sled. Uh, or I actually use my Incra miter gauge uh, with a zero clearance um, yeah. insert in it. Um, and so I'm referencing off of the uh, table saw top. Uh, but the other way I've done it is I, I've made a sled, but I have 
like one of the fancy sleds that you can do a million and one things on. So you have to replace the insert. I made like these replaceable inserts. Yeah, I've got one of those too. I just made a simple sled that was just a board, yeah. uh, a piece of plywood, and I put some runners on it. And I put a couple pieces across. I made sure it was that was 90 degrees on the cut. Mm-hmm. And then just cut it using a, a so 45 I'm- degree bevel. I'm trying to think how he might be doing it on his DeWalt job site saw, because I imagine you'd still be needing some type of runner and sled to make that cross cut at least repeatable and accurate. You just um, do it on the mic. You just use your miter gauge, right? Yeah. Yeah but, gauge. yeah. but I think those miter gauges have a good bit of slop to them. Oh yeah. 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 I used yeah. to have that saw. They do. <laughs> it's but, like, the oh, DeWalt, yeah. but, but to be fair, the DeWalt's the DeWalt, track if he's got the 7491 table saw like the 10 inch job site saw yeah it it has a miter slot that takes an anchor miter gauge so i used an anchor miter gauge on my dewalt table saw for years before i got my saw stop yeah um well, the, the it wasn't, i mean truthfully it wasn't that bad the problem with using a miter gauge was like you were saying is that the wood slips around so yeah um, yeah yeah i use that's a stop block yeah yeah a sled you can attack you can clamp it down yeah 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 agreed agreed yeah can i hey can i can i probe just a little further into the router table option guy mm-hmm. when you are are you using a sled or a miter gauge with a fence when you do it at the router miter table miter gauge with a fence okay yeah. How i have you, a video on my youtube yeah. channel Okay, well, I don't. I'm not going to go watch your video, guy. Okay? <laughs> I, mean, I want you to tell me. <laughs> they are great videos. I do recommend it. In fact, I'm sure I've watched that video more than once. But for the sake of the discussion we're having right now, how would you square your fence to on the router table? Like, how do you how do you get your fence on your miter gauge? Actually, it's, on it's the really table? easy because I'm running it up against the fence and the 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 miter fence. The miter gauge. So, but your, but your miter, it would have to be parallel. That would have to be parallel to the miter. It doesn't matter, then, right? Yeah, because you're you're gonna you're gonna take the 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 the, the miter gauge fence and just square it to your fence on the router table. Yeah, so you just put a square on there and put it on there and torque it down. And you're done. So you're squaring the fence on the miter gauge. To the fence of the router. To the fence, the fence on the, of the router, router table. table. Yep. 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 And those two could theoretically both be out of square to your miter it, slot, right? Correct. And it's not like the. the it doesn't the, matter. It's not like the 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 bar for the miter gauge goes right up against the fence. It yeah. Doesn't. No, it's backed off like an inch or so. So you know, it's a little bit. It, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but my miter fence is perfectly with it's within like three or four thousandths parallel to the to the miter slot it's set up really well yeah but it works yeah. it works extremely well. i use i have a special it, router bit that i even do like three quarter inch stock with yeah but but you you also have that incra fence on there right so yeah for for those of us that have a fence where you're loosening on the two ends and then your fence is going all kinds of every which, which way when you're adjusting yep. it that that's a little bit different there's really no way for me to consistently yeah. well, get that fence parallel to the miter gauge or to the that's, miter why, slide, that's why i recommended a sled onto the table saw yeah, yeah. 
Okay. So if I'm doing it on the router table, um, Brian, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm getting a backer block of wood to, to, so that I'm not uh, running it perpendicular to the material, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm, I'm using a backer block to elongate that miter, right? And then I'm clamping it down, and then I run it through the router table, through the fence, using the fence. Yeah, so that's that, another thing you can do is you can just take a big piece of plywood mm -hmm. as long as it's square and just put your board in front of it and just push it through with that. Yeah. And yeah. butt it up against the fence. And it doesn't matter which angle your fence is in it. Yeah. Because it's yeah. your your, your oh, that's a good point. against the fence. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, I think so that's like, why I, I think that's why I showed it in my video. You have okay. inspired me to go build a box on my router table. Yeah. Sorry, I got, I, will I, got report, screaming. I, will back. I got dogs barking in the background over here. My goodness, my house okay. is just never quiet. Sorry. Awesome. So I hope that I hope that helps, Dave. All right. So I think I've got the next question. You are up. And this comes from Bert Plord. It says, Hello all. I recently stumbled on your podcast and really enjoy the format. Well, thank you. I am recently new to woodworking, partly out of boredom during COVID. My initial projects were too ambitious for my skill set, yet I forged ahead and learned from my mistakes that, than what I did right. Since I live in Asia, hard words are easy to come by, and recently someone gave me a four-inch thick slab of paduke. It's about six feet long. Can't wow. imagine how much this would cost in North America. I, I really don't know. I'm making a breakfast table out of it. Oh, my God. Would look stunning, but I understand it will darken with age. And it does. It almost it turns really dark with age. Um, I will eventually move back home and would like to make an old-style butcher block. The massive one butchers actually use to cut on or cut meat on. However, plans or information on how to go about it is very sparse. I was thinking milling logs into four by four and fastening them end grain up somehow. I see some use long carriage bolts to hold the whole thing together. Any words of advice is much appreciated. I imagine this might not be a project you have done in the past, but how would you go about it? Thanks in advance. Love your show and uh, listen to your podcast when I go biking. All right, so. There's two ways to, to do the butcher block for this. He's referring to, if you've ever seen them, it's a it's these butcher blocks are like 10, 12 inches thick. Mm -hmm. It's all end grain. Yep. And it's it's sticking straight up, and they're they're really big, super heavy things. I, myself, I would just glue it up in chunks. Mm-hmm. And run it through the the planer as much as I could. I would just use on end grain like that. Run it through the no, planer. No, 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 no. Just but you can run like slabs through the through the planer, and then you mm -hmm. can glue up the slabs with the right. end grain sticking straight up. Yeah, right, right. So and try to get them as close as you can at the end. Uh, it's just sanding those down. Is going to be a, a royal part of my French. It's going to be a royal bitch to do. <laughs> so you really have to ask yourself the question. And I always ask this question when I hear everybody, oh, I got to do end grain cutting boards, blah, 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 blah. No, you don't. 
you can most cutting boards grain. most cutting boards are long grain just yeah. the ones woodworkers obsess about are end grain <laughs> so my suggestion would just be long grain it yeah and just stand the boards up on edge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i don't know if i'd make it 10 12 inches thick you could I'd probably go like around six inches thick, something that would be thick enough that I could run through my my thick planer. planer. Yep. Yeah, yep. That that's a good point. Um, the only thing I could add is if he wanted to do it end grain like that, uh, he, he he's going to need a more efficient way of flattening it, and that might be, you know, a big router bit. And yeah, a but you're flat. looking you're looking at these these tables are these big butcher block tables. They're maybe three feet long by 20 inches wide they're big yeah they're yeah. big 600 pound blocks of wood yeah they're designed to cut big pieces of meat on they're huge and they're really heavy so i don't know if i i would worry about it being end grain i would <laughs> long grain the edge of the board brian just, is going to say something i'm sorry no i was i was just agreeing that they are they are very big very heavy yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you're going long grain. I think no. Norm Norm built one. Norm Abrams built one like mm-hmm. that, where it's the big, huge block of of wood. I can't remember how he did it. It was a long time ago. Hmm. So if you so if you were if you were going to if you were going to do that, say in like big six inch tall. Or thick, I guess. Uh, no, these things are like thick 10, sections. 12, they're like to be 10, able to get it through the thick. To be able to get it through the thickness planer initial. Sorry, so that initial. So you're gluing it up, and you're taking it as wide as your planer will allow, and as yeah. and as high or as tall as your planer will allow. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and you're exactly. and you're getting it flat, flat and evenly thickness down the length of a you know a longer glue up. When it comes time to cross cut that though into the strips that you're then going to flip on, on end to make the end grain. How are you going to, how would you cut those? How would you, I guess, cross cut those? Would you do two passes on the table saw with a no, so three inch, I, three, I, you know, with a three inch depth cut? I would just get my, take my boards and just do glue ups of maybe like two or three at a time. You know what I mean? Like twelve, say twelve inches wide, six inches tall. So, like I said, I I wouldn't myself. I wouldn't go the ten, twelve inch thickness. I'm standing boards up on end like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? for the finished product. For the finished product, so yep. maybe like six inches thick. Yep. And I just be gluing boards together like I would for a um, a workbench top, but it'd be six inches thick instead of four inches thick. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. But it's end grain up at this point, right? No, there's no, no end grain. It, no, it's it's just grain. all long grain. It's all okay. long grain. It's all it's so grain. So is your finished is your finished product is your finished product gonna be end grain up? No. 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 That's so, what I'm okay. saying. Don't worry so about it. I was, assuming, end I was grain assuming up. that we were going end grain up. On because the that's what product. most obsessive woodworkers do. Most yeah. cutting boards are not. You, but go buy a, a real cutting board from a gourmet shop. They're not yeah. end grain. Bo- booze block. If you look up booze block, booze blocks are all are all. They now have end grain, 
but available for those big yeah. butcher block type things. But I have a booze block. It's all it's all long grain. Yeah, strict so, so long. So is that all right? So maybe we can maybe we can do a little. Uh, um, is this true or not? Is it? I've always heard that having an end grain board when doing like cutting and chopping on that, that that's actually much better for your knife in maintaining the sharpness on an end grain board than on an edge grain board. And it makes sense to me because you're not cutting the straws of the board in half. You're cutting down into them and in a way that might even have a sharpening. Okay. Wouldn't have a sharpening. That, that falls a- under the same category of you can't use plywood on your jointer because it will dull your blades. Uh, yep, it sure would. So will walnut, and so will maple, and so will everything will dull your blades. So what you're saying here's, is here's, here's, some, here's the magical thing about this, Brian. You can sharpen your blades. <laughs> yes. So if you're cutting your, if you're using your, your, your knives on your butcher block and they get dull, Sharpen. sharpen them. Sharpen them. So, so why why would anybody at that point, like on these old antique butcher block, like meat meat chopping processing mm-hmm. stations, why would they be made end grain up? Longevity, because yeah. these are in a commercial butcher shop where they're you know ten twelve hours a day of people chopping, yeah, you know big slabs of beef on. You're not doing that at home. Yeah. You don't think Bert's gonna? No, I don't, I, don't think Bert, I don't think Bert's gonna do that. So it's it's just it's just unnecessary. It's just unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. I don't see the point in it. All right, that's fair. If if you really want the look, it'd be very difficult to do. Yeah, yeah. That's, those are long cross cuts, yep. or they're they're very Thick. tall cross cuts. Yeah, uh, yeah. You could find you could if you made a block that big and you wanted to do the end grain. You could find somebody with a really big Radial drum arm. sander. Oh, that yeah. will that can run it through the drum sander. Yeah, you know, like the one we have at work. But there's not many people around that have drum sanders that cost cost as much as a house does. When I had to uh, cross cut my workbench, which is three and a half inches thick, I went to uh, my local wood shop you know, community shop and use their 12 inch, uh, radial arm saw. That thing is monstrous. <laughs> yeah. You do that. Or you just cut it halfway and then, and then flip it. Yeah. And flip it. Yeah. yeah. So you do that too. Yeah. That's what I think. Well, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but like I said, I, I'd, I'd probably recommend not going and green. I so, karate chopped my workbench to length. Just, just, one yeah, there end. you go. <laughs> Right. Well, that was good. That's spirited. A, Bert, I don't know if we answered a, your question, but hopefully that helped a little bit. Man like you, Brian. So, okay, Hui, it's back to you. Okay, this is from Firelight Woodworks. Hey, fellas, I'm loving the podcast as usual. Keep up the great content. Here's my question. One of the best parts of living in Silicon Valley is the availability of old workbenches from defunct tech companies. I got the one in the picture for $40 with the solid metal frame and solid maple butcher block. There you go again, butcher block style top. I added a plywood drawer. I added plywood drawers in the bottom and I've been using this as an outfit table and assembly table. However, I've noticed that the top is not perfectly flat 
and that it is especially lower around the edges. I was considering taking the top off, ripping it into three pieces so that it could fit through my four. Th look, 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 look at this 13 inch planer. We're talking about this and, and you just had this question and then using dominoes to glue it back together to try to get it to try to get it flat. Do you think this is a good method or is there some better way to accomplish the same thing? I was also planning to drill dog holes into the top. However, on a recent episode, you talked about the limitations of many of the dog holes on thicker tops. The current thickness is about one and a half inches. Even after planing it down, as previously described, I think the top will end up being at least an inch and a quarter thick. Are there dogs, are there dogs available that would work with a top that th that's this thick that you can recommend? All right, so the first question there that he has is that the top is uneven and so what he wants to do is he wants to rip it down and he wants it so that it'll fit through his planer and the only issue that I can see is that if this is an end grain solid maple butcher block style top or is it a long grain I think it's a long grain it's long I, grain I it, when people say yeah. butcher block that does not denote end grain yeah it just but, means it's a bunch of boards glued up together. On I that. see nothing wrong with how he th he's thinking about trying to uh, uh, do this whole thing. And uh, really, honestly, the dominoes are just going to be an al alignment thing. It's just going to help keep everything aligned. Um, it's not. I don't think it's going to make that joint any stronger. If you were to rip it down so to fit through your planer, and then you just want to slowly take down the thickness so that it's uh, flat, I see nothing wrong with that. Guy, Brian... Do you do you see anything wrong with how he uh, how he's approaching this? No, I think I think that approach makes a lot of sense. Now, if it's if it's cupping across the width, then when you're ripping it down on your table saw, just make sure you're you're doing it kind of smiley face up would be the right way to do that, so that you don't end up with it coming down and creating a potential pinch on your blade when it, when it frees itself. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Just from yes. a safety standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then, and then making sure that you may have to go back through then and just clean each edge. So right. that at right. that, you know, assuming that it, the sections that you have, the strips that you have created by mm -hmm. taking that top and breaking it down into three pieces. Yeah. Assuming that those are fairly flat that you would just then take those fairly flat pieces or see you end up with closer to a 90 degree edge. So yeah. when you do glue it back up, you don't just glue it back into the same uh, cup shape. You, you'd end up making six rips on the table saw. So you rip it once and then you flatten it and everything, get everything all square and rip it maybe one more time so that you have a nice perpendicular glued up edge. Correct. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good point. Good point about the potato chip thing. Make sure it's smiley face up so that the offcut doesn't pinch the blade. Good Falls point. away. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Guy, what do you think? Uh, yep. <laughs> okay. In, 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 reference, in reference to the the bench dogs, most bench dogs are designed to go into a, like a four inch top. So right. you should be you should be fine. Yeah. So I I think what we were talking about is work tops or mft style tops that are thicker than three quarters of an inch where you have the um the the clamp that goes through the dog hole and hooks underneath 
that would be an issue, I think. And I think that's maybe what he's alluding oh, to. Okay. I don't know. But bench dogs for one, one and a half inch tops should be – Lee Valley makes them. Uh, I, I think Rothler yeah. has them. Yeah. I mean, all the, all the brands. Or you can make your own out of wood which sure. is, and just make yeah. them that long and, you know, they just – you can do that too. Well, Firelight Woodworks, I hope that helps. Uh, Sean, it's back. Or Sean, oh my goodness, I called you Sean again. This is the second time I've done that. Come on. <laughs> Brian, I'm tell, sorry. Tell me how you really feel. Come on. <laughs> so, your next question is from Mike Arts. We got, we got, Mike, you got, you hit the jackpot tonight. You, oh, you got I'm two gonna, questions from Mike You Arts? got. You got two questions here. Oh my goodness. And I am answering this one because I don't actually know if I can answer it, but I really want to hear what guy we have to say because I have the same issue in my own shop. Okay. So Mike Arntz of Arntz Construction and Design um, says, hi guys. I know you have talked edge banding before, but I still need a little help. I do quite a bit of plywood with a roughly uh, half inch to three quarter inch thick uh, solid wood edge band attached and then trimmed flush or trimmed flush to the shelf or flush to the plywood with a flush trim bit with a V groove to give it a little decorative look as well as make it easier to sand flush. The problem I'm having is I seem to struggle with getting my edge banding perfectly tight to the plywood so that the seam is in and what happens is the seam becomes visible some of the time. I've tried joining the edge banding but not the plywood because plywood through a jointer seems like a bad idea and that didn't seem to help. When only doing a few pieces, I've clamped it to the shelf with slightly better results, but often do between eight and 15 eight foot long boards at a time. So I don't have the clamps or space to clamp everything. Currently I, I glue then pin nail with my 23 gauge nailer. What am I doing wrong? I'm hoping guy has some good insight here since he works in a more commercial slash production environment. And that's more along the lines of what I do. Thanks, Mike. So in summary, having a hard, using a half inch to three quarter inch thick solid wood edge band, having a hard time getting that glued to the shelf without any sort of gap opening up between the edge banding and the shelf. And he's got little seams showing up. Um, I don't know that I don't necessarily, your, your approach sounds pretty solid gluing and then pin nailing with the 23 gauge nailer. It's going to leave a, you know, a microscopic hole in that pin nailer is going to provide clamping. I would assume would provide a little bit of clamping pressure along each spot that you're doing that. Um, the only thing I could add would be to, to utilize some sort of a clamping call as you're going about doing that so that your clamps are going to provide intense pressure at the points at which you're clamping that edge banding, but you're going to get, but it, it, as you move further away between each clamp, you're going to get significantly less to, to hardly any clamping pressure. And then you'll get even more clamping pressure and then less and then more. And it's going to create almost that, that wave of clamping pressure. So mm -hmm. utilizing, you know, some sort of a clamping call that will help distribute the pressure along the length would be my, my best recommendation. That's what I try to do. If I have a, a longer run than what I can reasonably cover with the clamps that I have accessible to me, 
So, so I guess we, we would, why don't you take next shot at that? So, so I guess I'm a little bit confused here. If he, if he's applying this, so I'll tell you what I've done for this type of edge banding. I've either created some type of uh, bird's peak, bird's nose. What is it? The V groove, whatever mm-hmm. uh, no, nosing groove, right? And then I yep. flushed it up on a. Um, uh, vertically mounted on a flush trim bit across my router table, or I've done it on the table saw to flush that up. So I guess I'm, am I not? I, it's not so much the flush trim. Like I, 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 I don't think it's really edge banding. It's more nosing. Okay. Yeah. Would be a more accurate thing. So if you've got a shelf, if the shelf is horizontal and the nosing is vertical and goes on the front of it and maybe an inch and a half wide but it's only touching three quarters of an inch of the plywood at the top i i don't know because because he says that it's anywhere between a half inch to three quarter inch thick on the on the banding my guess is that it it's just that he's only covering the thickness of the plywood is how i read his question okay Okay. so all right so why it still doesn't matter why is he seeing it? Why, why is he seeing the seam? I, I guess I'm not picking that up. Why? Well, what he's, what, here's, here's, how, here's how we do it and the way I've done it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, actually, I shouldn't say. That the, way, the way we do it at work is the way I would do it now because it, it's really super easy and it makes a lot of sense. First of all, we don't put hardwood edge banding on anything. We use regular veneer tape edge banding. Yeah. Okay. The only time we put a solid edge on anything is when we're putting nosing on something. Yeah. That's like on the front of a shelf or something like that. Mm-hmm. So some of these shelves are fairly long, but <coughs> what we'll do is we'll take that inch and a half piece of molding or nosing that may be three quarters of an inch thick. And all we do is we just glue it on the right on the front of the, the plywood. Mm-hmm. The real trick to it is, is when you do it, you have to run the stuff through the thickness planer, walk over from the thickness planer, and then put it on your plywood. If you let it sit around for a while, the next day, it's going to be all warped and it's going to be hard to work with. So run it through the thickness planer, bring it over, cut it to length, and glue it onto the front, and just pin nail it. That's all we do. Yeah. And it works wonderfully. What, what We do the same thing, uh, Mike, with the V-groove bit. We use a flush bit with a little V-groove on the one end, and the, the it rides in between the groove between the piece of nosing and the plywood. So it accentuates that gap yep if you can't if it's going to be there celebrate it so you run that through and we do that with all our face frames on all our cabinets all our nosing on shelves on everything yeah and if there's a little gap there it's not a big deal because you're not they're not going to see it anyways right because it creates a shadow yep 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 so that's the way we do it that's the way I ended up doing it a lot of it that way because it was just really super fast. It doesn't have to be super even on the top because you're flush trimming mm-hmm. it anyways with the router. Right. right. If I was going to do it where I'm just putting three-quarter inch on the front of the plywood, I would do it the exact same way. 
Mm-hmm. Except I would do one side and flip it over and do the other side. So, so the way I've done it, where I want it to be completely flush, and maybe this is the issue that he's ha- having is once. No, I have, he's not. He's using a V groove bit, like he, I just described. Y- yes, he is. So, so I guess I'm just not following. He's just having a hard time getting it to stick to the front of it. Where it's creating a too big of a gap. You you put that stuff on and it wants to move around quite a bit. Like I said, we we use we don't use hardwood edge banding. Mm. We use regular edge banding, edge banding. Yeah. Well, I just, the only time I, we put something hard on the edges is if it's a if it's nosing. Nosing, yeah. And I it's just an applied, inch and a half. It's an inch and a half wide. I just applied a, a little bit of nosing not too long ago, but. Again, I, I just flush it up either on the table saw or um, on the router table, just running it through vertically to with a flush trim bit and then having like a little uh, grooved yeah. out uh, auxiliary fence to allow that yeah. nosing to slide underneath. So we just take a, we just glue it on there. We take a little DeWalt trim router. Yeah. <laughs> the bigger, uh, yeah, just zip, run it across. Zip right through it. Yeah. yeah. It's really super easy. So. Yeah. Well, hope that helps, Mike. Guy, you've got the last question. Oh, okay. Let me find it here. This comes from Ron Goritsky. He says, I am building a floating shelf bar for my son. Does that mean it's going in the pool? It's a three and a half inch torsion box with red oak ply top and three quarter inch redwood edging. It will be stained, dyed dark brown. I'm trying to decide on a top coat. Shellac is easy and easily repaired. Oil will look good, but provides minimal protection. Shop finish, which is oil, varnish, and solvent would probably work well. Maybe something else. So if this is going to be a bar, I would mm-hmm. not use shellac on it. Definitely because not. Because shellac uses alcohol for a... Um, as it's dissolvent. Or as, the, as it's thinner. Thinner, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, carrier? Uh, no, the, uh, no. It's... Uh, anyways, I'll think of it later. But... If they spill like you know, if they're if they're doing shots of tequila, which I do a lot of shots of tequila, <laughs> it gets after like the seventh or eighth one, it starts to get a little messy, and that tequila will damage a shellac finish. Yeah. Just about any type of alcohol is going to damage a shellac finish, so you want to stay away from that. Oil, yes, oil will look good, and I agree, it's not going to provide the protection protection needs. I'm a big fan of. What you had just mentioned, what you're saying is a shop finish. Some yep. people call that a Danish oil. It's yep. an oil varnish and solvent. I use oil varnish and naphtha. Uh, that would would work well. Another thing that I w- that I would probably do, since I have uh, uh, a spray gun is available to me, is my favorite new finish that I put on everything now, which is water-based conversion varnish. Mm-hmm. So, there you Hui, go. Hui, what would you do? Uh, I like the I like the shop finish uh, because you can kind of play with it a little bit and it's easy. You know, 
it's easy. Uh, it's, uh, it always looks good. In fact, actually I'm applying that right now in my shop on a sideboard. Yeah. I would just go with that. And it, you know, it, it, it's depending on what your mix or your blend is like, it might take a little bit more coats and more time to cure, but it's easy. So yeah. that's what something, I would do. Something like that. I mean, you're putting the finish on it. You're using that, that basically what, what that Danish oil would be too. It'd be very similar to what armor seal is. Yeah. You put a coat of that stuff on a day for, let's say five or six days yeah. and you'd have a rock hard finish on it. Yeah. It would be really good. Brian, what would you do? I know you're what a you said. I'd probably just do what you said. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do have an actual question, follow-up question. If he's going to stain or dye this dark brown, would you do that? Would you do that step first and then apply that clear finish over the top? Or would you color your finish and just put that finish on all in one fell swoop? He's not going to get yeah. it dark brown if he tries to yeah. put it in with the with the finish. He'll have to stain it first. Yeah. Or dye it first. Dye it first. Yeah. yeah. And that's fine. That's yeah. fine. It doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, if I wanted something dark brown, I would just make it out of walnut. Because it sounds like he has <laughs> walnut available to him. So he's using yeah. what he has, which is good. And I, and I truly appreciate that. And dyeing or staining is definitely an option. But yeah. um, I would just so put it on beforehand. Yeah, so, so let me probe with another question. The reason for not using shellac is because it's it's for a bar and any alcohol spillage is going to, to affect that shellac finish. Yeah, damage the finish. Will that, will that still be the case if you were to do maybe more coats of shellac than what you would normally do and then just go in with a final coat of something else? Um, that's really not the schlack schlack nowadays is ungodly expensive. Yeah. It's gotten really expensive since COVID. I would not build up multiple coats of schlack on a bar just mm -hmm. to cover it up with, um, Danish oil or something else. If he wanted to, he could use it as a single coat sealer after the yeah. stain. But to be honest, I don't see the point in that if you're going to be building up a shop finish anyway. Yeah. So, so that's why I think, I think you're going to, in the long run, I think it's going to be just as good of a finish, if not maybe a little bit more protective. If you just built up the, the shop, the Danish oil varnish, whatever wiping poly. Yeah. So whatever you uh, want to call it. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I, I hope that answers your question there. And, uh, I think that's it. Brian, yep. what you got going on in your shop? Working on finishing a, a white oak bookcase for, for our daughter. And, um, yeah, I still need to repair my my orange mirrors that I boxed <laughs> to finish on. But I needed to take a break from those. Yeah. <laughs> so not a whole lot right now. We've been traveling the last several weekends with fall break, kids' fall break schedule. And looking forward to, to getting back in the shop and making a little bit of sawdust here hopefully soon. Right. Not, not, not to rehash that, but uh, do, are you going to have to sand those down and, and reapply? Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Bring but the work again, and run through the, 
to the belt sander, to the drum sander. Nope. I can't do that. Why? No personal projects at work. Is that, um, is that rule in place again? Yes. Oh, okay, because it was gone for a while, and then it came back, and then it was gone, and then it was back. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, what do you have going on in your shop? Oh man, so I got I got that uh, I got the sander the news back about the sander. Remember, I told you guys that I broke my oh, yeah. festival sander. So I got the new one, and uh, I was I was really excited to get it in, and it's great. You know, festival products are awesome, and so I I, I was telling you guys I had gotten all the veneer ready to go ahead and put on the cabinet doors and the drawers for the sideboard, and so I'm pulling out my vinyl bag and sure enough i pull out the vinyl bag and right there the nipple just completely disintegrates that you connect the vacuum to mm. I'm like oh thankfully i have a polyurethane bag as well so i have two bags but it was just one of those things it's like really it's like i pull out the sander that breaks i pull out the vacuum bag and the nipple just disintegrates it's like what what next? But anyway, I was able to get that replaced um, mid three way through the veneering. Uh, got all the veneering done for that uh, sideboard. Um, I also did the cabinet backs. I, I showed you the picture of all the tongue and groove cabinet backs. Um, thank thank you for uh, giving me advice about veneering the backs because I ended up not doing that <laughs> and just uh, tongue and grooving it because it was easier. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then I, I got all the uh, basswood uh, cut out and just doing the joinery. I'm just going to do dominoes for the drawers, basswood drawers. Oh, so you're doing basswood drawers. Why why basswood? Because I got a lot of it. Okay. <laughs> I have a lot of it. And um, I had used a whole bunch of soft maple before then. So I was like, ah, well, I guess this one's having basswood. So, <laughs> Which is a little softer. I, I prefer soft maple. I think it's it's got a little bit. Oh, yeah. Honestly, it, it just got a little more heft to it. Just mm -hmm. see, feels a little stronger than basswood, but basswood is fine. So, sorry, guy, you were going to say something about basswood? No, I said basswood's a basswood's good choice. It's, it is. It depends on what what's going in them. I wouldn't put like pots and pans in a basswood drawer. Oh no, uh, it's, it's something like, a like console. Yeah, yeah something yeah, DVDs like, it would, things like wouldn't that. Wouldn't be wouldn't be a problem. Wouldn't be a problem. Guy, what you got going on, man? Nothing. 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 At work, I've been, I was tasked with trying to figure out if we were going to purchase Fusion 360 and move from SketchUp to Fusion 360. So I've been giving myself a crash course mm -hmm. in Fusion 360 for the last well, almost almost two weeks solid now. How's it going? Uh, I'm finally at a point today where I made a recommendation about whether or not to get Fusion 360 to our vice president. And that's where I'm going to leave it because he's got to make a presentation to the other gentleman that's on our podcast right now. And I'm going to leave that to him to decide because it's very very expensive because we have to buy three seats wow okay yeah so um what's the annual subscription or do you want uh oh, I, I, I it's guess. it's right now right now it's like five hundred dollars mm. for the first <gasps> for the, no i'm just kidding <laughs> for the first for, for the first year and then after that it's going to be like seven hundred and some seven eight hundred dollars a year 
per seat. Per license. Per seat, yeah. Per seat, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right, well, about double what we pay on SketchUp Pro right now. Yeah. yeah. But we only have two seats of SketchUp Pro. Yeah. Fair. Matt yeah. wants one now. So we want three. Um, it's, it offers some things that we cannot get with SketchUp. Probably one of the biggest things is we deal a lot now with a lot of schools and a lot of other large, we're starting to, to bid large projects. And these things are coming to us in DWG format. So mm. every, we, we want to be able, what our competitor is doing is they're just dropping their stuff right into our customers' DWGs and giving them a complete solution and giving them, you know, this really nice laid out thing that shows all the stuff in there. We can't do that, so that's what we're that's what we're trying to do. But it's a it's a bear of a program. It tries to be CAD for every single industry in the entire world. Yeah, and figuring out how to use it for woodworking has been a treat because most of the information that I've gotten has been from other woodworkers and they're not the world's best teachers. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just being honest, you know, they, yeah. they're, they're, they're good at what they do. And I'm not, I'm not faulting them. And I'm really appreciative of the work that they have and put on YouTube, but it's not as in depth as I would like it to be. Right. right. So you- I, I'm cheap. I didn't want to have to pay for it. So. Right, right. So, so you you basically need a format that more uh, is more conducive to like an architectural drawing or something. Like yeah, that. and it's 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 more widely accepted because sure. we can we can send DWGs and a lot of other people use Fusion three sixty two. Where we can we like we 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 have a couple of subcontractors or yep. people that we outsource to for steel. Yeah, makes that sense. That have like. Uh, plasma cutters and CNC mills and things like that, and you know they 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 would prefer to have it in fusion. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, that's all I've got going on. It's interesting. Oh God, I'm just glad that it's I, I I'm almost done evaluating this stuff and learning how to use it. Well, the fun part starts. Yep. Yeah. All right, so I think that's going to do it for the show. And we would like to thank everyone who left us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help us in search rankings. And, of course, we truly appreciate the feedback. Please remember that this podcast is here to answer questions from you, the woodworking community. So if you have any questions you would like answered by our panel, you can send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com or DM us through Instagram at woodshoplife. And I can be found on YouTube at Guy's Shop and at most other social media at Guy's Woodshop. We AlabamaWoodworker.com. You can find all the links to my socials there. And Brian. I will not be found on any traditional social media, but you can find a few of my projects on uh, www.simplecove.com. Uh, my username there is at Brian Schmidt. All right. Really good. All right, guys. We will uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right. Talk to you in a couple. Have a good, have a good one. Bye. Take care. Bye.